0: Good morning. Um, I'm sure a few people will join us in the, in the next few minutes. Um, but whilst we're waiting for everyone to sort of, sort of gather and be in the right place at the right time and all of those things, um, what I want to do is to just suggest that in groups of two or three, doesn't matter who you are, just people nearest to you, I just want you to have a quick discussion And the the question I want to give you is, how do you know that someone in your church has mental health problems? So in groups of two or three, just quickly discuss, discuss how do you know whether someone in your church has mental health problems? And we'll do this just for a few minutes whilst people are settling, finishing finishing their coffees, etc. Off you go. Not wanting to stop your discussion, I've just been told that the bookstore at the back to my right, um, as in your left, um, has acquired a mobile phone. Can you check to see if your mobile phone is still with you? If it isn't, go and describe what what your mobile phone looks like and see if it's the one that they have got left on their bookstore. I'm sure they really don't want to acquire a, a spare phone. Anyway, continue with your discussions. Okay, I'm sure you've got lots of interesting bits, but uh, in a room this size, I'm not going to take feedback. So, if you can draw your discussions to a conclusion, many years ago, I was at the Diocesan, no, actually the, the Church of England Synod at Church House, and it was in the early days of Mind and Soul, so we're probably looking at seven-ish years ago. And we were, we had a display, a stand like we have here today. And during one of the breaks, there'd been a presentation and I was talking to this really senior clergyman. I won't say where they came from, apart from it was a significantly large church in a civic centre somewhere in the country. And I was talking to this character and he was saying, none of this really applies to me. Okay. Why? Why? Because in my church, which is a large civic centre church in a fairly significant town in the UK, no one in my church has any form of mental health problem whatsoever. So none of this is relevant to me. And I was left, well, initially completely speechless. And I thought to myself, hmm. So if none of this is relevant to you because no one in your church has a mental health problem, what does that say? Does it say that no one in your church is willing to tell you they have a mental health problem? Or you have the most perfect church in the world where everyone is emotionally sorted and there's no mental health issues whatsoever? Or are you in total denial? Or have you scared them all away? Or what is it? And it left me with that complete and utter um, amazement really that he was living in a fantasy world but it's actually the case in so many churches that people seem to believe still that if you're a Christian you have no chance of having a mental health problem. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. If you're depressed, it must be you're sinning how many of you have been told that? <laughs> Certainly, I did, some, I did a counseling course, a Christian counseling course a number of years ago. I won't say who with, not because I don't want to shame them, because I guarantee the people who ran it then have changed their minds since. But we were taught in no uncertain terms that depression was the result of sin, and if you had depression, you were sinning. I look back with absolute horror that I was being taught in what was seen as a quite respected Christian counselling course only 20 years ago. Now, it really does say something about where things were at then. I think it says a lot about where we've come from in the time since then. But there is still a legacy within the church. Why is it that... So many of us are afraid to say who we are, what we're going through, and what we're experiencing. I asked the question you were discussing amongst yourselves whilst others were coming in. How do you know whether or not you've got someone with a mental health problem in your church? How would you recognise it? I know some people would say, oh, it's um, that strange person who comes off the street and sits in the pew and either behaves in a strange way or... All the sort of archetypal characteristics of someone who doesn't quite fit. Well, actually, if you think about it, mental health problems, issues that we face, one of the biggest challenges about mental health work, and I've worked in mental health work as a professional since 1983. I've also been in charge of different churches as minister, Um, and in all that time it has struck me just how many people have struggled with mental health issues within church life and have struggled alone why? because they could, could not share how they felt because they were afraid afraid of how others would respond to them Afraid of being rejected, afraid they already had, told it was all their fault, told it was, they needed to just pull themselves together. Go and pray about it, or read this passage, and that will sort it out. Just have faith, or all of those things which classically have been told to people. But when it comes to providing a church, where all feel at home and accepted it's important to actually move on from those misconceptions those lies which I would say that Satan has fed into the churches I actually want to see a church where everyone whoever we are is welcomed and accepted and the church is accessible I had the privilege of being part of the team that put together a book and if anyone's interested it's on the bookstore to my left at the back and it's called Making Church Accessible to All. Subtitle including disabled people in church life. But it's making church accessible to everyone. I wrote the chapter on mental health but there's a whole range of other situations which are referred to in the book. The key thing about the book and I was told by the bookstore to say it only costs £6 today, which is a lot less than the cover price. But the thing about it is this. And I've worked with a lot of the disability charities over the last few years in something called Churches for All. And increasingly, I've come to the realisation that if you can make the church accessible for one group, you'll make it accessible for others. And if we can make sure that all are welcomed... That all are fully enabled to play their part within the church, then actually we will have a very different church. My background, as I said, is a professional. I spent part of my time caring for someone with mental health issues, and I've been a church minister. What is also relevant, and I know it's following on from Will, um, I, there's always this issue about do or don't share your own personal bit, but I also suffer from mental health issues. And to be honest, on days like today, when I'm waiting to uh, come up on stage to share with a group of people like this, it's one of those times when suddenly I start remembering quite how difficult it can be to um, do seminars. Um, I have a, uh, a depressive personality, um, I do get mood swings, it's not bipolar in its strictest sense, it's... Something which is described as cyclothymic, which is a sort of milder version of bipolar. Um, I also suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, or have done over the years. It's interesting. Someone was talking to me earlier, um, and I had a—I was involved in a major traumatic situation many years ago, and it could have been the sort of thing that would have completely diverted my life and changed it beyond recognition. Thankfully, God didn't allow me to get into certain situations, but actually directed me through gently. I've been able to use some of the things I've learnt over the years. But last year, I was involved in a car accident, and it brought back some of the symptoms. And then it's that that increased recognition that actually we still remain vulnerable. When you think about the church, and you look at the church, some of you will be thinking, who here is or isn't with a mental health problem? Now, let's be realistic. You've heard the statistic, 23% of the the adult population is likely to have some form of diagnosable mental disorder, mental health problem, that could warrant seeing a GP in any one year. We all gave that stat earlier. 23%, 25%? it's very slightly in how it's described however how many people take that seriously for many years I worked with people with schizophrenia as part of what was the National Schizophrenia Fellowship that's about one in a hundred people one percent and therefore in theory probably one percent of the church bipolar probably about the similar proportion And you could look at other fairly serious mental health issues. But in my working life, I spent a lot of my career dealing with what would be described as the severe mental illnesses, as in bipolar, schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, such like. And it's very easy to think that group are the people with mental health issues. Yes, they have. Significant needs, and you need to accommodate their needs within whatever you do within the church. But actually, if you look at a church, one in four people within the church will have some form of mental health issue of a significant enough nature that might warrant seeing a GP in any one year. That, for me as a professional, took a long time really to take on board. That, for a lot of people outside of mental health, is even harder to comprehend. But the fact is this, that in your church, there will be people struggling with different issues at different stages in the same way that they would have physical health problems through that year the question is are we willing to recognise it are we willing to actually build a church where we can feel safe enough to say how we are feeling because the person with a mental health issue in the church could be anyone from the child in Sunday school the youth within the youth group those entering into adulthood at different stages particularly those at university it could be the young mum it could be the professional it could be the teacher it could be the older person you heard what Will said about the sort of middle aged to older group but it could also be the minister the pastoral worker mental health issues do not discriminate on class education or any of those things in the same way physical health problems don't in that sense We need to be thinking about treating people as people and recognising each person as a unique individual. I really hate the concept of saying, look out for the mental health person in your church and give them special treatment. Because actually what we need to be doing is saying, we need a church where all are welcome, all are safe, And we can actually provide a place where they feel valued as an individual, whoever we are, whatever the quirky nature of them are. Because we are all different, unique. Some are quirky than others. I'm sure my wife will quite happily say how quirky I am. We're each created body, soul and spirit. And if one bit of us is slightly out of alignment, physically, psychologically, spiritually, it can affect other parts. Sometimes I think we just have to recognise that often churches are not fellowships, as we tend to describe them, but they are places where people go to, revolve around each other, and rarely connect. I don't know about your church, whether it's large, small, friendly, community or not. I live in a community, a very small community, and yet, underneath it all, we actually know each other very little. Would I share with people there who I am, how I'm feeling? Would I open up to them? It's a real challenge. Until we become a proper family where we can share together, we're always gonna have that struggle of openness and honesty. Whoever we are, whatever condition we have, we all have spiritual needs. Mental health issues do not negate our need for a spiritual life. Even if you have a severe mental illness, you still have a spiritual being. You still have spiritual needs. At one point I was invited in by one of the big prayer ministries to give of consultancy advice about praying for someone with a serious mental illness on the basis that they didn't know what they should or shouldn't be doing because they had to take into account this person's illness and they basically saw it as being Because they were on medication, you couldn't really pray for them. You couldn't really deal with them. And I was really concerned because in a sense they were almost saying because they had this diagnosis, they ceased to have a normal spiritual need. We are all spiritual beings. And they needed prayer support. They needed to be treated in the same way as anyone else was but taking into account anything specific which related to their condition. We must never forget that mental health issues are as common as physical health problems and are as mixed as physical health problems. There is no such thing as mental illness or mental disorder as a specific diagnosis. There is a range. You do not treat everyone in the same way. Some conditions are short term, others are long term. Some can be stabilised with medication, others require talking therapies or changes in behaviour. Some mental health conditions, actually once you're stabilised on certain medications, you can actually resume your life in a relatively normal way. Physically, I have health problems, which means I have to take medication each day, every day for the rest of my life. Do I query it? Well, I just know that if I don't have this medication, then I have a health problem which is going to recur. Well, with mental health, some conditions are just like that. The only difference is, in churches, I've known situations where they wouldn't dream of questioning a diabetic whether or not to take their medication or the person on thyroid replacement um, therapy, whether or not they should take their thyroxine or any of the other conditions like that. Whereas, you give someone an antipsychotic drug or if you give them lithium or you give them uh, an antidepressant, The number of times Christians are saying, do you really think you should be taking that? That's a mental health um, treatment. Well, we really have got ourselves into this weird um, situation. With Mind and Soul, over the years, we've often done talks on um, mental health treatments. Should Christians actually take antidepressants? It's amazing how many people come to that seminar. Why? Because actually, there's still this thing in the Christian world that if it's mental health, it's to do with spiritual. If it's spiritual, you don't need treatment, you just need prayer. Believe me, in all the work I've done, I have no qualms in encouraging people to take the medication if it comes to a mental health condition, if it's going to help stabilize them. My specialist area of work was suicide and self-harm for many years. I was far happier to make sure a person was stabilized on a medication which then alleviated the pressure when it came to their suicidal tendencies than to say to them, you don't need this and then run the risk that they would kill themselves. I saw myself in that particular role as being someone to intervene at the point of crisis and to be there to encourage them to seek help, be stabilized in whatever way it took and then rebuild their lives with them. If you think about mental health issues, it's not impossible to compare them to the range of physical health issues that you might have. Injuries, strain, exhaustion. Conditions like the stuff which I've mentioned where there's a predisposition within families to certain health problems. The same applies to mental health as any other. The so support they need, the support we need, is no different to the support someone might have a need of when it comes to other things happening in their lives. Whether that's practical support or emotional support, or actually taking into account that they're not necessarily going to fit into church I was very conscious of this earlier when, you know when all of you arrived and there was this wonderful worship group up front and most of you seemed to be very much entering into worship. Where was I? I don't know if anyone would have even noticed what I was doing. I was right at the back in a corner, quietly sitting there. Why? Because for me, at times, I need to be somewhere slightly further away from the noise Not quite able to enter into the group, but I want to be just on that fringe. The worst thing for me today would have been someone saying, come on, you must come and join us. You must be part of the worship as part of the start of the day. Actually, for me, I needed to be in a place where I could feel safe and secure. Someone I know would describe their situation as being this. When they're, when they're experiencing their depression, they will arrive at church at the last possible moment. The point being when they come through a door and they know that the hymn has started. So the welcomers are beginning to actually look after, sort of focus on the worship, so they can slip in. They can slip somewhere at the back, assuming they aren't. Well, there's some seats left, and they can just be there, without being feeling crowded, without feeling that they've got to get into a discussion with people. The same person would say, the worst thing for them would be to be made to stay for the coffee after the church. What they will do is to slip out in the last hymn. They still have a spiritual need. For them, church is just as important as it's ever been. And they're there to meet with God. But at times, meeting with people is the problem. And for them, an understanding, particularly by the church leadership, the pastoral team, would be, please understand that I want to be here, I want to be part of this. But I need to do it on the terms I can cope with, rather than, having to fit the rules someone else I know would be very different for them being part of a large church with loud music and everything else they can just get caught up in it someone else and these are real examples actually can't cope with any significant noise they will go to a prayer book service And for them, the perfect thing is the structure, the the quietness, the meditation, the ability to know exactly what's happening, when it's happening, and follow it through. No wonderful loud choruses, no anything unpredictable, no lengthy sermons, they just, for them, people are different. And I think that's one of the key things we need to be thinking about pastoral support for people with mental health issues no one size fits all the support required will vary as widely as the types of conditions if someone's absent from church it doesn't mean they've lost their faith it may just mean actually they can't cope with the structure of the church that we are offering and that can mean anything from style of worship the fear of being probed. How are you today? Are you any better than you were last week? The pressure that you have to improve quickly. Oh, Do you want me to pray for you? Or did my prayer for you last week have any effect? Making you feel guilty when you actually would, if you're honest, say, no, it didn't. Because actually, that wasn't what I needed or what's that effect do you you see what I mean? I've worked in and around the healing ministry for decades but the fact is that often when someone has a mental health issue particularly say they're depressed and going through that depth of depression what they need is someone to be there not to put pressure on someone to support To actually get to know what is actually needed in this time to help me through. Rather than, I'll pray for you and the expectation is you have to get better. If you don't get better, it's your fault. Or words to that effect. Sometimes church in its structured environment, it just isn't helpful at any one time. But as I said, others... I find it actually helpful having structure. Some churches I know have been incredibly good at putting on groups for people with mental health problems. And I used to run day centres and do all sorts of stuff like that. Which is fine, apart from (laughs) what you try to do is you try to create something and say, you have to fit into what I'm offering. So the church that offers the Wednesday group for the people with mental health problems, uh, where you come along and we'll tell you what you need. Actually, mental health services on the whole have moved on a bit from there uh, over the years. But the fact is, you may have a few people within your church, particularly if you've got links with people with quite severe mental health problems which are enduring you may have a group within your area that would fit certain types of groupings. But the fact is, we need to be really careful. And one concept I was involved with many years ago was the offering of a meeting place where people were invited to come and meet together. Whether you were lonely, isolated, had a mental health problem, retired, or whatever it was, But you had trained volunteers who could work with individuals as individuals and also work with small groups, as small groups within the context of something which was wider and more open. And in fact, what we ended up having was the place being used by the community psychiatric nurses to see their their patients, the person that they were looking after. And actually, we worked really closely together. But it did mean that, Individuals could come to it and just be. Or come to it and be supported in special ways. But the important thing was to actually treat people as individuals. As opposed to saying, you've got to fit this model. Some people really will find it very hard to cope with um, long sermons. Others will find it very hard to... um, cope with a situation where you ask a rhetorical question and they just answer you back I don't know how many of you have been in churches where I, I used to have a church where within its catchment area we had a mental health residential unit and because of my interest in mental health and because I'd encouraged the church to be open and welcoming and all of those things little did they realize what they were opening themselves up to Um, we actually had, at one stage, half the attendees at a church coming from the local residential home, which somewhat changed the dynamics of the church, which was an issue in its own right. But it did mean that I had to get get used to the situation of, if you did a rhetorical question in your talk, you'd get three answers from the congregation. But you also had to get used to the point that in the service, you might well have different people going out to different stages. It wasn't a reaction to your talk. It was actually they needed a loo break. The medication that they were on was making them restless and sort of jittery. Or they, as lots of people who have been in, in the mental health world for quite a long time, rely quite heavily on smoking as part of their self-medication. And so they were having their fag break because they were smoking so many an hour. And if you have an hour of service, it's quite difficult to not smoke for an hour if you are used to smoking however many an hour. And so our church changed from this village chapel, which had a certain group of people, some of whom had been there for years, to this village chapel where you had quite a number of different people coming to it with different interests, different styles different behaviours. We had quite a few of them come to faith, be baptised, and really spiritually have wonderful journeys. And yet, actually, the flip side of that was um, it was a challenge to the, the church members that actually their church was changing. Interestingly enough, the next church I went to we did something similar but um, one of the uh, long-standing church families the wife came up to me and said do you realise what you've done to our nice little church you've brought so-and-so in and -and so-and-so in and -and so-and-so in and I thought yeah isn't that what we're here for the the same church had been complaining it hadn't grown for years I can understand why it hadn't grown for years because actually it was so wonderfully sort of um, closed and I sort of come in with this rude awakening of saying yeah we want to open the doors and encourage people in with their issues and their problems um, and challenges. Cafe church for some people can be really helpful but for others it can be far too chaotic. He's finding the the right balance. It's a church not that far from here, relatively, which has the most wonderful cafe church. And people go in there and whoever you are, if you don't, you know, sort of, you, you can go there and enjoy the tea and coffee and cake and the informal worship and the talks and everything. And actually it fits very neatly, particularly people who are not part of structures and maybe those who are on the streets. Maybe those who have long term addictions or such like. But only certain people relate to that, others don't. The important thing is we need to get to know the individual as an individual. They are all unique. We are all unique. Learn about their interests, likes, and dislikes, where they are on their faith journey, their life circumstances, what is meaningful. Good quality pastoral care crosses all boundaries. You do not have to focus on mental health to be a mental health friendly church. You need to be a church where you are focusing on the individual, their needs and supporting them. It's valuing the individual that matters. If you focus on one bit It can be quite dangerous. One of my problems in the past was I was a specialist worker in suicide and self-harm. And uh, what happened was that people people came to see me because of something they'd done. And they continued to see me until we got to the stage where they were seen as being ready to move on. One of the most wonderful times I can remember was when One of my clients came to me and said, I hope you don't mind, but I think it's time to move on. I said, okay, do you want to tell me a bit more? And he was saying, well, I came to you because of this that had happened. And we've talked, we've worked through the issues. But now, whenever I'm with you, it reminds me of why I came to you. I was the specialist worker in deliberate self-harm. And for him, the time to move on was that he wanted to be to release himself from the identity to to, to me as the worker. But I learned from that just how important it is that for some people, particularly for him, in that although seeing me actually brought with with me access to resources, also brought with it a label, an identification a link one of the biggest challenges of in church but also i run a confidential helpline called lifeline and details are out there in the foyer when people phone up and they talk about having a mental health issue what we must do is avoid seeing the person as the schizophrenic or the depressive or the self-harmer or the this or that Because actually, if you end up focusing on the condition, we lose touch of them being a real person with real needs, who is spiritual, who has an identity. And it is so easy to get fixed in your mind that this is so-and-so and this is. In the same way, the person in the wheelchair you see them as being the disabled person rather than being Hayden or any of the others who are here today. Does it make sense? But actually breaking that mentality is quite a challenge at times because you're always being mindful about the need. And yet actually when someone phones our helpline, And we know that they are one of the regular callers who has schizophrenia. Actually what may be the issue in their life today is actually that England lost the rugby match and for them they are disappointed. That's got nothing to do with their schizophrenia. That's to do with something in life and they share that with hundreds of thousands of people who experienced that situation. On a funny basis, I happened to be in Wales the day of a match. I felt very much that I was an outsider in a Welsh-speaking part of Wales. Um, What you need to do is to think about boundaries, yes. Um, Think about normal boundaries in life. But do not get to the stage of saying... I need to impose something special. Do you know people in your church? I was speaking to someone yesterday afternoon about today's talk. And they said, There's this person in my church who I think might have a mental health problem, but I don't know how to ask them. And then we started a conversation. And it transpires they're part of the pastoral cell group. And I tried to get some understanding of how well do you know this person? Have you ever spoken to them? And what struck me was rather than actually getting to know who this person is and how they feel and what's going on in their life, they were trying to identify whether or not they had a problem. And yet, in a way... For them, I think the starting point needed to be get to know them a bit. Because only when we get to know people, have relationships, and actually begin to be us with them, and enable them to be themselves with us, that it really becomes quite important. It may be you are seeing significant changes in a person. If you know someone well and you are seeing changes, it may be they're going through a hard time. They may be being stressed. maybe may be depressed. See what the changes are. Changes in mood, changes in behavior, changes in attitudes. But don't start saying, you must go to the doctor. But see, see how they are. So be supportive. Be there for people. If you are part of the pastoral team, and you do see alarms, raise the alarms within the team. Don't get to the point where you're sort of identifying someone as being, let's be wary with this person. We need to listen to what they're saying and share and look at what's there. If you do have someone in your church who has a diagnosis, there is no harm in finding out a bit about what the diagnosis is and what the condition is. The Mental Health Access Pack very much... Offers you basic information about some of the conditions. The Mind and Soul website offers more. And at times, there is absolutely no harm in talking to the professionals. Some professionals are much more open to working with churches than others. In different areas where I've worked, you've actually had mental health stroke church community liaison groups. And we've also at times had working between the minister and pastoral workers and some of the community workers from the mental health team, particularly when it comes to uh, people who the church is supporting in an informal way, to such a degree it's actually worth having them being included in some of the even community care plans. It's not a them and us. From the point of view of the church and the devil incarnate called the psychiatric services, you might laugh at that thought as being the psychiatric services, being the devil's incarnate. But actually, I've known numerous Christians see them over there as being aliens and being the people you have to avoid. Even if some of them are also Christians. We need to be really careful there because actually one of the reasons why mind and soul was brought into existence was to be an interface between the church and the mental health services. To say to the church, be aware of mental health needs. And they are real, and they exist in the church as much as they exist anywhere else. And to say to the mental health world, be aware of the spiritual needs of people. And just because a person talks about spiritual things, it doesn't mean it's part of their psychosis. If I had the time, I'd take you through a list of 15... Examples that I use sometimes with in seminars where they're based on real people with real reports. And I say to Christians and non-Christians, okay, which of these are indicative of a mental health issue and which of these are indicative of normal spiritual life within one or other Christian church? If I was to give it to you today, believe me, there would not be agreement amongst you depending on your church background. And certainly if you have secular mental health workers, some of them really do struggle to understand that some of these things are actually normal Christian faith bits. Speaking in tongues, prophecy, words of knowledge. I know you could just keep going, all sorts of stuff. And even within the churches, different people disagree. But the fact is... The number of times over the years I have known Christians go into the consulting room and talk about their faith, and it's been noted in their file that they're showing florid symptoms of psychosis, when actually if they said the same things in the church, it would not be out of place. It's one of those things about communication, understanding, but it's also one of those things where Actually, within a church, sometimes people come out with all sorts of strange things and Christians don't listen to what's being said. They hear half of it and it sounds normal, as in normal spiritual stuff. But they miss the bits which are somewhat out of the norm. Um, The most extreme example I can give you was the person who read that Abraham was told to take his son Isaac to uh, sacrifice him. And one of my clients read it and decided to take his children to the local beach and um, was going to sacrifice them. Now, to me, as a Christian... I um, was pretty sure that wasn't from God, as a Christian mental health worker. One of my colleagues, who was a non-Christian, wasn't quite sure whether this might be something meaningful to hit this person as a Christian or not. And it was all these questions. But when I use that example as part of this group discussion, the number of people who have said, oh yeah, that could be real. Sorry, am I hearing you right? That could be real? That God might be calling this individual to sacrifice his children on the beach in such and such a place. We need to be careful, but we need to be listening. That's an extreme example. I could give you lots of others to be wary of. Often people are fearful about having people with mental health problems in the church. Even if a person is suffering from a severe mental illness, they're much more at risk of harming themselves than harming so, someone else. I've been around the mental health world a long time, and at times, yes, I have been afraid. But most of the time, it's been trying to make sure that a person is protected against something which potentially could harm themselves one of the key things for me is making sure someone if they are prescribed medication it takes it and to avoid them being told don't worry you don't need that we need to assure people it's normal to have problems in our mental health it's normal to struggle with the stuff of life. Famous people in the Christian world have gone through stages of being hopeless, depressed. You look in the Bible, there's examples of people who've really struggled. Elijah. Jonah. You could go down a list. But actually, in Christian history, Spurgeon the leading Baptist in the 19th century the equivalent in the 20th century would have been Billy Graham Spurgeon was that famous but he went through a depression of such a nature that at one point it would have been all would have been appearing to be lost and yet God brought him through what he needed was people there to support him at the time of his greatest need, prayer is important, but don't start naming, claiming, declaring healing. Deliverance ministry, some churches will say, all you need to do is to do deliverance. I've probably been involved in the deliverance ministry for 30 years. If I truly had found a way of using deliverance as being the way of releasing people from mental health problems, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be going around the hospitals doing it. It is not casting out the demon, setting people free, and that is going to be the way to deal with schizophrenia. I wish it was. But believe me, that's not the answer. Same with some of the other conditions. People will say, all you need to do this is that. What we need are people to be there, to come alongside us. And often what we need prayer for are the stuff of life to help us cope with the life that we've got, even if that is actually just taking off some of the pressure a person with mental health problems yes is a sinner but so are you and they're no more of a sinner than you are the symptoms they've got are symptoms of a condition because something is happening or has happened to them and they're uh, having to work through it. In the same way of physical health, the same way of injuries, the same way of, sort of familial predispositions for stuff. Do not get holier than thou. Do not get super spiritual. What was in the book many years ago? How to be super spiritual, kill yourself trying or something. Um, I always left that title, but actually too often in church we can get so super spiritual we actually lose touch with the person we're meant to have a relationship with and that's Jesus do not tell them to pull themselves together come alongside them be with them experience life with them be aware of their needs the needs of their loved ones and carers be aware of the needs of the congregation And if you do have someone with significant mental health problems who is disruptive and difficult, be aware of the congregation. I wish I'd actually known that when I started. At times you need to make sure that others understand what's happening. Education, awareness raising. But also, to conclude, in all that you do, Ask God to show you how he sees them, how he sees each person in the congregation. Sometimes the people who you think are the most normal, God says, actually, they've got this need. Support them in this way. Other times God says, you see so and so. I'm really proud of them. And you think, why? Because that's how we see them and how he sees them. Ask God how he sees them. Ask Jesus to show you how he is praying for them. Remember, Jesus is there interceding on our behalf before the Father. Jesus, how are you praying for these individuals? Show me. So I can pray with you. Not go down my way of thinking, but pray with you. So Lord, show me so I can see as you see. Jesus, show me how you pray so I can pray as you pray. Help me to love as you love. Help me to show care as you care. And also show me in myself what my needs are. Because it is so often... That we see the plank, or we, we see the speck in the other person's eye, or and we don't see the plank in our own. And I'm very conscious that I went into mental health, probably partly because I knew that I had my own issues. But God has had to deal with me, step by step. And remember. God deals with you step by step. He'll want to deal with each person that you meet step by step rather than have high expectations of them to actually go from stage one to said in one prayer. I hope some of what I've shared is of help. Um, Pastoral care, mental health issues, well, where I started was If you can make a church where all are welcome, where all are valued, and where all are treated as being the son or daughter of God that Jesus died for, that he purchased with the price of his blood on the cross, if we can make the church open and accessible to all, so that we all feel part of it, that we all have a place in it, then we'll have a church where people want to be there will feel safe and secure and we can be open and honest and tell people how we really are, who we are. And I think those around the church in the communities will come and realise there's something special. I honestly believe we need to make the church accessible to all. So it's fully enabled to be what God wants it to be. Thank you.